AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Thanks to Mike Pearson for sitting in for me yesterday. Lots to talk about today. We have the new numbers out from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. They are down. We'll go over those with Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, a little bit later on. We're going to talk markets and the economy with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And we'll get a harvest report from Illinois around the Quad Cities. David Erickson will check in with a harvest update. All that coming up on our program today. But we're going to start things off. Lots of things happening in the news. We talk about it with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good, Mike. Glad to be here. I think last time we talked we were kind of anticipating what was going to happen with infrastructure and budget reconciliation and and debt limit and well basically nothing's happened yeah pretty much mike you know it, we're kind of at a point now where uh you know there's an infrastructure package sitting there uh, in congress uh, and at this point house democrats have decided to go ahead and hold that up um and i think they're trying to force passage of a, a larger much larger spending bill um, it's really unfortunate because, you know, the, uh, the infrastructure package has received a lot of bipartisan support. It's something that's quite clearly going to pass, um, and it's really something that, uh, you know, could provide an economic boost. I mean, we're talking about wanting to add more jobs and improve the economy, and that's one way that uh, that could be done. And, you know, there's a lot of places in rural America that are kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, whether their bridges are going to be fixed, uh, and a lot of other things that are going on, broadband. Um, and so here we sit. Yeah, we really don't know where things are going at this point. And this is where we're at in politics and in our country today. You, even if you have legislation that has bipartisan support, that's hard enough to get in and of itself. But you can't get it through yeah. even when one party has uh, control, be it very narrowly, of uh, all three branches of the government. And here we sit still with no infrastructure bill because as i said yesterday uh, a couple of days ago i, I to mm-hmm. me the democrats just got greedy wanted all or nothing and we wound up with nothing and that that's not how the country's best served no i think you're right mike you know a lot of times we see um, you know in particular in agriculture you know we look at all the farm bills that uh, we've seen pass over the years i mean it's it's always been you know it seems like at least on that side of the ledger it's always been very bipartisan and uh, this particular infrastructure package has a lot of good things in there for a lot of people. You know, it's not something that politically would be a bad thing to pass. In fact, I think it would uh, be quite the opposite, um, and it would be good. Hopefully, here in the very near future, we can at least get a vote on that particular uh, particular bill. But right now, it looks like things are really being held up, and it really is all in the name of politics. Yeah, I just don't like that practice, and both parties do it. Uh, to get something they want through, they attach it to something they think is going to pass. And we see that all the time. And I uh, I just think it's come back to bite us this time. Not that everything in the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package was all that great either, but it did, as you said, sure. had a lot of the things in there that have been needed for some time to improve our infrastructure. Now we, we just have to wait and see. Meanwhile, interesting, uh, this approach on WOTUS, um, that supposedly, you know, Michael Regan and the administration saying they're going to be open and they want to 
make this fair fair to everybody and, and you know appease everybody we saw this with the rfs you're not going to appease everybody and if that's what you're looking for you're not going to find it and when it comes to agriculture i think they feel what we have now is about as close as you're going to get to appeasing people and uh, i don't see how they come up with something that's going to make these other groups happy and keep agriculture happy at the same time yeah mike i i agree i think uh you know the direction the administration's going now um appears to be swinging back you know the pendulum's gone back and forth whether it be more waters in, more waters out. Um, and I think that in particular is probably what a lot of people are growing weary of. You know, they, they'd like to see something that's uh, stable and, and helpful and easy to, to understand. And that's what we had with the, with the, the Trump rule. Um, you know, we're going to see a process go on here. The Biden administration is going back first to the 1986 rule. Uh, they're going to, they're going to have some sort of a proposal to, to turn back the clock until they can get a, a new rewrite of the WOTUS done. And so this is a long drawn out process. And right now, um, you know, hearing kind of mixed signals. I mean, we've heard some people say that, uh, you know, the administration's been very helpful in, in some ways. They've been open to listen. You know, Michael Regan has, has said he's, you know, he's, his door is open and he's willing to talk to anyone. Um, but right now we're still kind of waiting to see, um, you know, where it's going to go. And I think you know, you're right. I think the Trump rule probably provided quite a bit more certainty and understanding, and it's going to be very difficult, I think, to 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 find something better. And my other point would be, nobody's claiming this new rule is perfect, but it hasn't been in place long enough to really see if it's where it's not working, if it's not working in certain areas. I mean, you got to give it time, right? You don't just come yeah. in and rewrite it when it's the ink is still fresh on the paper from uh, the new rule being implemented, but that's where we're at. All right, uh, another yeah. legal challenge on the biofuels front, uh, this time concerning E15. Yeah, uh, you know, on Monday we saw Growth Energy uh, that petitioned the Supreme Court um, on the case involving E15. Uh, we had the district, excuse me, the appeals court in D.C. that uh, basically threw out the E15 rule. Uh, what we're seeing now, I think, is probably the last legal attempt really to, to try to keep that, that rule in place or at least overturn the appeals court. Um, I don't know how, you know how successful that might or might not be. The Supreme Court's very selective in the cases it takes. Um, and so maybe, you know, as we're going forward, there's a lot of uh, legislative work that's been done, you know, attempting to, to not only uh, expand E15, but just uh, to help biofuels in general. And I think Maybe as we go forward here, I think something in Congress, something coming out of Congress is really most likely the way that E15 is, is going to come back to year-round sales. Yeah, it's such a long process. I mean, you appeal yeah. to the Supreme Court, and then, like you say, you don't even know if they'll take up the case. And even if they do, that takes a while. So, I mean, none of this happens quickly. No, you're right. And, you know, and I think, uh, you know, the Supreme Court, it takes usually about 80 cases a year. Uh, 80 new cases. And so, you know, there is a little bit of wiggle room. We've seen some cases that, uh, you know, like the small refinery exemptions case, the Supreme Court handled that. Uh, so, there, you know, the possibility is there, but it really is kind of the last uh, legal legal chance that, that the ethanol industry has on this, on this issue. And meanwhile, we were to get kind of a better idea of how the Biden administration is going to deal with China when it comes to trade, uh, had the speech at by uh, Trade Representative Ty, but I don't know that we know a whole lot more than we did as far as real specifics. No, you're right, Mike, and it, it does sound like 
right now the Biden administration is going to kind of hold pat. Um, you know, they can keep a lot of tariffs in place. Uh, there's a lot of rhetoric coming from the Biden administration that they're going to enforce the Trump uh, negotiation, the, the agreement that was reached with China. Um, you know, and at the same time, there's still plenty of evidence to show that China hasn't met its obligations in terms of buying U.S. ag products. And so um, we'll see what happens. Right now, it doesn't look like there's going to be any change in kind of the status quo. We will see. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Take care. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Well, we'll talk about the the U.S.-China trade relationship and more with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. That's coming up next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. That's our goal at AOA. Each weekday, you get an hour of the latest takes from people who know agriculture, the policymakers, and the people who have the inside scoop on what's happening behind closed doors. People who have their finger on the pulse of Washington and agriculture around the world. AOA is your daily source for all the information you need to stay in the know. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. AOA. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. 
Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. All right, Arlen, we've kind of been waiting to hear something from the Biden administration on how they're going to approach trade with China. And we get a speech from our U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai, basically saying the administration is going to press China to live up to its uh, phase one trade deal that was negotiated under the Trump administration and that they're going to work with foreign allies to encourage China to reform its trade policies. Um, what do you take from that? Is, is anything big going to change, going to be status quo? How do you see this moving forward? Well, I think it's really status quo. Um, as, as much as I supported the uh, trade negotiations during the Trump era with China, I, I really don't think we saw China really honor those agreements, and that, that's my opinion, certainly. Um, if they were serious about the trade deal, they would have done far more to uh, follow through on some of the more significant points of adding transparency to their TRQ tariff system um, and a lot of other things. And in, in many aspects, they even went less transparent over the last couple of years, uh, certainly over the last year. So I think China is going to continue to do what China has been doing, and that is buy what it needs. And over the past year, it has needed a lot and, and not anything else and just find ways to kind of blow us off, if we will. I hate to use that phrase, um, but that's really kind of what it is. They don't take us seriously. Um, I think they started to during the uh, uh, during the tariff battle that we had during the Trump administration, um, but I, I really don't think that they're going to take any threats now seriously. They have other bigger concerns right now, their power outages, et cetera, that I think they're probably higher on their agenda than are the new threats from the Biden administration. I, I don't think they're threatened at all by that, and I think they're more focused on what can we do to make sure we have power generation and we don't slow down our economy going forward. Yeah, we often asked the question uh, in the last year or so uh, when China was making purchases, was it because of need or because of the trade deal? And it's pretty obvious it was, it was because of need. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And that need had been building. And they, I think they held off buying, trying to get the trade situation settled. Uh, and maybe that amplified the purchases that came then because they had to do some catch-up buying and the pandemic was involved in there too um, and held things off as well with their ports shut down for a while. But overall, it comes down to China does what it believes is in China's best interest and it's really not pressured by anyone else unless you can really make it have some pain. And, and you know, the old phrase in our personal lives as well, we change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Um, that goes for China as well. They're not going to change until the pain of continuing to do the same thing is greater than the pain of change. Talking with Arlen Suderman with Stonex. Arlen, I'm just thinking about 
the Biden administration's reluctance to fully embrace biofuels and their plans for all their climate programs. Um, if this administration were to come out and say, we're going to get fully behind uh, biofuels, we're going to raise the RBO levels, not lower them, and this is going to be, we see this as the bridge to get to electric vehicles or whatever it may be. So we're, we're going to be all in. If they did that, what kind of a boost would it bring to the markets? Well, I think we've seen somewhat of a boost already in the RINs market here over the last week or 10 days uh, on some rumors that maybe the initial rumors were overdone or maybe not accurate. So I think that gives us an indication it's probably the RINs market where we'd see the biggest impact overall. Um, but overall, this is a market that wants them to have some clarity, as you indicated. We simply don't have that clarity. We anticipate that that clarity will start coming here in the weeks ahead. Um, but we're already delayed on getting the uh, um, meeting the mandates for when things need to be announced and, and not getting it. And both administra- uh, the past couple of administrations, past several administrations, have really struggled to meet those deadlines going forward. Um, but the industry just wants some clarity to move forward. Regardless of what mandates are, we do know that there is tremendous demand for the new renewable fuels that do not are not blended with uh, the fossil fuels. That's probably we, where we have the best hope of support and the best indications of support from the Biden administration is for some of the new biofuels that uh, are standalone products and not blended with fossil fuels. And where do, are we with the feedstocks for those uh, fuels and where do you see that going? Well, as we look at palm oil hit new record highs, we see canola prices shooting higher toward record highs. We see soy oil start to follow behind. We have adequate supplies of soy oil right now, but we've got a lot of plant capacity opening up in the fourth quarter of this year, which we're starting to get into that time period now in the first quarter of next year, and many more plants in the, in various stages of development. So. As of now, we have the supplies, but it's a futures market that's trading, and what we're seeing is the futures market now is starting to anticipate those shortages. And based on the plants that we know of and have a high degree of confidence that are going to be moving forward and opening and starting production here over the next few years, we see shortages of edible oils going out the next five, six, seven years as supply will be smaller than what the production capacity will be. It's just a matter of continuing to see that demand develop. Uh, And uh, right now we see a tremendous amount of enthusiasm in the industry to get these fuels in. We haven't seen that wane. And so we're very encouraged and optimistic. And I think that's one of the things helping to support the soybean market right now and prevent a larger sell-off following last week's uh, bearish stocks report. We could put together a pretty long list of economic concerns, inflation concerns, supply chain concerns, um, lack of infrastructure bill, not even knowing what's going to happen with the debt limit. What are they going to do with reconciliation bill? Is there going to be another big mass of government spending coming here? So all kinds of questions, strength of the U.S. dollar, all that. How does all that and that uncertainty, stock market up and down, up and down, How's, what effect does that have, all that have on commodity markets? 
It has a big impact, and we've particularly seen it over the last 10 days, and I think we're going to see it increasingly as we go forward. Supply and demand is still ultimately the driver, but fund money is big right now, and it's at record high levels, a lot of that because of the fiscal and monetary stimulus pumping more billions more into the marketplace looking for a home. Um, and so the... Uh, what I want to say, the sentiment of the fund managers who control that and the computers they use to automatically make the trades, etc., view the fundamentals through different colored filters depending on whether they believe inflation is going to happen or not happen, the economy, etc. So we are seeing a big influence in the outside markets right now. Inflation is especially an issue, and if inflation is an expectation, that tends to elevate the money pool in the commodity sector. doesn't mean that every commodity goes up, or doesn't mean that they go up all the time, but it does tend to provide a whole different rising tide lifts all boats type of mentality, does tend to mean that they manage supply and demand at an elevated price level than what they otherwise would. You still get the big price swings, but maybe at a higher level. And inflation is definitely a factor, and over the past week to 10 days has really increased as more and more people on Wall Street are now starting to recognize and accept. We're not talking about uh, temporary inflation anymore, or as uh, Jay Powell likes to call it, transitory. We're talking about something much more perpetual, and we're definitely seeing that in the fertilizer market right now uh, with energy prices being what they are, natural gas. Uh, it suggests we could be looking at much higher prices yet if something doesn't change soon. Real quick, isn't that going to be one of the biggest stories as we go into planning time next year, not only price of inputs but availability of inputs? It, absolutely it is, and we could talk, we could spend a long time talking about all of that. One other thing, the new European models that came out yesterday, very dry for Argentina and southern Brazil for their summer months of December through February. And these are huge issues, big stories we'll be talking about as we go into next year. Arlen, always good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. All right, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for... Stone X. Well, we have the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. They are down. We'll find out how much and why as we'll talk with Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer coming up next here on AOA. Stay with us. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing 
top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. A slow-moving front continues to linger across the southeast and is forecast to bring heavy rains to the region again today. Some of these rains may extend into the eastern Corn Belt today, but western and central Corn Belt regions are expected to be mostly dry until rain chances return this weekend. The higher futures this morning held up by lower outside markets did not hold up. We are seeing lower row crops with higher wheat futures. On the Board of Trade, March corn trading a penny and a fraction lower at 544 and three quarters. The December contract down a penny and a fraction at 536 and a fraction of a cent. For soybeans, the January contract trading six and a half cent lower at 1254 and a half cent. The November contract down six and three quarters at 1243 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up two cents at 746 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December up four at 745. Minneapolis spring wheat December trading eight cents higher at nine. 34 and a half cent. The March contract trading six and three quarters of a cent higher at 9.22 and a half cent. Even though live cattle could not continue the strength on Monday, the market was supported by a strong increase in box beef select cuts of two dollars and 62 cents. It has been some time since the strength of that magnitude has been seen. Unfortunately, it was offset to some degree by choice cuts declining a dollar 47. On the board of trade, October live cattle trading a dollar higher at 123.80. The December contract trading 55 cents higher at 128.40. February trading 35 cents higher at 133.12. For feeder cattle, November trading 12 cents higher at $157 even. The January contract trading 25 cents higher at 157.52. In lean hogs, the December contract trading $1.85 lower at 80.67. The February contract $1.77 lower at 83.22. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Ross. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
All right, we have the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, and the numbers are down, a decline of 14 points, the weakest farmer sentiment reading since July of 2020. And we're joined now by Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, to go over those numbers. Michael, you always point out, you always look closely at uh, current and future um, sentiment in this, and it looks like producers are less optimistic about both. Yes, that was certainly the case. I mean, the ag economy barometer was down 14 points to, to 124, the lowest it's been since July uh, 2020, and, and the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations uh, were down as well, about uh, similar magnitudes. And in addition to that, the Farm Capital Investment Index, which, which tracks people's willingness or, or uh, desire uh, to purchase uh, machinery and, and buildings was also down this month. And, and I think there's at least a, two or three things that are happening uh, with this index. It's, it, first of all, it's, it doesn't appear to be crop prices. Crop prices were, were relatively level uh, you know, this month compared to the month before uh, when we called people. I think it has a lot to do with, with worries about input costs. Uh, we've been asking people a series of questions related to uh, prices paid for inputs, and they've been concerned about this for several months. But the concern really skyrocketed uh, during this latest survey. In fact, close to half the people now think that prices paid for farm input are going to be up 8% or more, with a third of those thinking that input prices are going to be up 33%. And so I think that's a big contributor uh, to the reduction in the sediment. And, and they're expecting uh, prices paid for farm inputs to be substantially higher than the general rate of inflation. So that's also uh, important to point out. The other thing is about a third of the people that we survey are livestock producers. And certainly it appears that uh, uh, the sediment in, in terms of livestock production went down uh, even more than the sediment related to crop production. And, and when you talk about input price increases, livestock already experienced input prices increased a year ago because of the in, increase in feed costs. And so, and so, and so, the, uh, so there's even more concern uh, related to livestock production than crop production uh, looking at the, the current numbers. Yeah, I think that's all very significant, uh, the, these concerns over these rising input costs. And it, it reminds us again, even though uh, if you're a grain farmer, you, you're always looking for higher uh, commodity prices. But as we've seen historically, that's not the answer to all problems. And in fact, higher commodity prices often uh, leads to more problems. Uh, and in this yeah, case, higher input costs. And I think there's a general inflation. I, I, I keep coming back to that. I think that's very important because the general inflation is creating some of the increase in the prices paid uh, for farm inputs. I think that's definitely the case. You look at fertilizer, you know, fertilizer expenses. I mean, obviously, we've had some trouble with hurricanes and other issues related to the logistics for fertilizer. But they're also tied fairly closely, particularly nitrogen, to fuel prices. And fuel prices are higher. And so, and so fertilizer is one of those inputs, even though we didn't ask that specifically. But fertilizer prices are up substantially. I think there's also worries related to cash rent. We've been asking that question for quite a while. And, and half the people think that cash rents are going to go up. Uh, certainly in the eastern Corn Belt, if we did a survey here, I would think that'd be closer to three-quarters because our yields are a little bit better than what they uh, perhaps are compared to trend in the western Corn Belt and particularly uh, in the northern part of the United States. And so, and so those two costs in particular are very concerning. And then I go back to livestock producers. Feed costs are still very high. Uh, when, you have, when you have corn prices hovering or above $5, uh, you know, $5 a bushel, you're going to have relatively high feed costs uh, you know, compared to what we saw two, three years ago. 
And we know a big part of higher grain prices has to do with strong exports, and farmers are concerned about uh, trade prospects moving forward. Yeah, we haven't talked about this very much, uh, you know, in 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 past interviews. But uh, but there's more concern about whether exports are going to increase down the road uh, compared to what there has been for quite some time. And so we took a we took a look at the, uh, that question in particular, uh, and 37% expect exports to increase in five years. But if you go back a year or so ago, 18 months, that was closer to to two thirds to three fourths. Uh, and, and so that that's a big change also is we've had some good exports here in the last year, but I don't think producers are thinking they're necessarily going to continue uh, at that level. And so that, that's concerning, when, particularly when you're looking at prices down the road. Uh, speaking of down the road, uh, do farmers think farmland values are going to stay strong? Of course. Uh, uh, in, in fact, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at pretty much the highs uh, in terms of the, the, the two questions related to land values, looking 12 months ahead. 60% think that land values are going to be higher. Again, if I ask that in the eastern corn belt, that would probably be closer to 80%. Uh, land values five years from now, two-thirds of, 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 of those folks think that land values are going to be higher. And that's been very consistent. Uh, those that think that land values are going to be higher five years from now, that's not surprising because in any given five-year period, land prices typically do go up. But that 60% uh, that think that land values can be higher in the next 12 months, that's a much higher percent than we, we saw a year ago, certainly. Yeah. And, and we're hearing all kinds of uh, uh, you know, survey information come up that you know, land values are up uh, rather mm-hmm. substantially. I know we did a survey here in, in, uh, at, at Purdue and, and, uh, uh, you know, a couple months ago, and it was, it was 10%, 12% last year. And, and, uh, uh, and we're expecting uh, perhaps double-digit increases again next year. And that certainly also uh, enters into people's thinking uh, when they're looking at uh, index of future expectations, uh, certainly, you know, certainly in that index. Yeah, we're seeing some record, uh, you know, prices for farmland uh, seem to keep popping up each every day. Um, so I want to look at this issue of the supply chain challenges we're seeing across uh, our economy right now. All of us are impacted by this, but farmers looking at it as far as machinery and, and things like that or inputs. I mean, this is a... This is a story that's been going on for some time, but it doesn't seem to be getting better, and the concerns are it could get worse. Yeah, we keep thinking that this is going to get better. I mean, this is throughout the economy. We keep thinking that the, 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 you know, the, uh, the logistics, uh, the, the supply chain for, for grocery stores or supply chain for farmers, we keep thinking this is going to get better, but it doesn't seem to. And we did ask a question specifically related to that, and, and one of the reasons why uh, – why the the, uh, the the index of, of farm machinery is down quite a bit, the farm machinery investment index is down quite a bit, is people are having trouble finding machinery. I mean, use prices are, are quite high right now, probably historically high, but also half the people indicated that this was impacting their decisions on buying farm machinery this year, the fact that there, was, there wasn't very much inventory. Uh, and so that's certainly playing into to individuals' uh, uh, purchase of machinery. And I think it's a tougher situation right now for machinery than it is for buildings and grain bins. When we, you know, uh, two, three months ago, there was, more, there was more concern about the ability to, to build buildings and, and to build grain bins than there was machinery. Now that's reversed. Uh, and so in some sense, maybe the lumber situation isn't quite as tight as it was. Uh, there, there's, there's, maybe there's a, it's easier to get a grain bin uh, you know, place than it is to purchase machinery, which is a real uh, turn of events here in the last couple of months. Michael, I'm going to look at this historically since you've started doing the survey. 
Uh, I would think most times when you see uh, a double-digit drop in the barometer, you can usually probably see at a time of lower grain prices. But to see this kind of drop at a time with higher grain prices, how, how unique is that? It's very unique, and, and uh, it typically you do see a, a, you know, a relatively large drop, and you see a, a large drop in prices, and vice versa. We saw the, the large increase last fall in response to the, to the higher grain prices, but, but it, it is very unusual to see this high of, 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 cha- of, this high of increase in input prices. I mean, you don't see, there hasn't been many years in the last 20 years where you're looking at double-digit increases uh, in prices paid for inputs uh, in agriculture. And so I think this it makes the situation very unique. Moreover, typically, as you get closer to fall, there's a little bit more optimism, uh, you know, particularly if yields are close to trend, uh, which I, I assume they're going to be in, in, in much of the Corn Belt, you see a little bit more optimism. So this is an unusual situation, and I keep, I keep pointing back uh, to the input prices because I think that is the culprit. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway from this, and it'll be interesting when your next month's numbers come out. You, many farmers will be done with harvest, others well into it or near the end, uh, so they'll have an idea of what their harvest is, and then we'll see if these numbers improve or not. If not, that tells us these other factors are certainly still weighing heavy. Definitely. Yep, so we'll watch that closely. Michael, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the latest numbers. Take care. All right, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer with the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, again showing a decline of 14 points. And again, the big takeaway is this concern over rising input costs. So we'll keep a close, close watch on that. It's going to be a huge story, that and the supply chain issues as we move into the end of this year and getting to next year and start looking ahead to uh, spring planting time. All right, well, we got to get this harvest done first. We continue to get harvest updates around the country. We uh, go to the land of Lincoln. We'll be in Illinois, up around the Quad Cities. We'll talk with David Erickson, see where he's at with his harvest. That's next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? 
Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're still learning more and more about what all is included in this budget reconciliation bill. And there is a fee proposed in this bill that is going to hit oil and gas producers. To shed a little light on this, I've invited Edward Cross, the president of the Kansas Independent and Oil and Gas Association, to join us. Edward, what are they proposing here in this reconciliation bill? We've uh, been talking to many policymakers about the methane fee that's included in the reconciliation bill and a fee on, on the methane emissions from the uh, oil and gas industry even though uh, the oil and gas industry has been reducing those emissions uh, significantly for the last decade. They're just looking to add a, I believe it's $1,800 a ton fee for methane emissions. Is that right? That's correct. It's almost impossible for them to distinguish whether it's from oil and gas or from other sources. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. 
on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we continue with our harvest updates. We go to the state of Illinois near the Quad Cities. David Erickson joins us. David, good to talk with you. I am assuming you are in a rain delay. Hey, don't say that. <laughs> we're, no, we're not right now. You're not? Uh, no, no. So it, uh, it's overcast, has been the last two to three days. Um, but again, we're you know heavily clouded, but no rain right now. We might be in a dry slot, Mike, to be quite honest. Um, potential for some rain later today. Well, you sounds like you might be a little drier than I am a little south of you. So uh, uh, how yeah. much do you have done so far? So uh, we're, uh, we passed uh, 80% more done on corn harvest yesterday, which is very unusual for us. We started about seven, uh, let's see, September 15th, which is about a week to five days earlier than what we might start. But uh, due to corn being not, uh, in very good shape and also just kind of dying from disease and a uh, whole combination of things. Um, but we haven't harvested any soybeans yet. Have not started on soybeans. Okay, so how how were your corn yields and considering what you just described as some uh, challenging conditions? Yeah, so um, our corn yields are 10 to 15, in some cases 20% below our trend line average. Um, and it depended, you know, on the severity of uh, some num- a number of diseases from tar spot and crown crown rot and um, probably too much rain in the spring. If you recall in the spring when we talked, we got in on a timely basis at everything planted by May 7th, but then we had a pretty wet and cool May and it probably took a toll there on some early diseases there that, uh, you know, we never quite overcame, quite frankly, throughout the season. So, you know, we're gonna we're not going to do our part here locally to uh, let Illinois have a record corn crop, that's for sure. Okay, so if we don't have a record, we know who to point at. It'll be, yeah, it'll be blame, you. Yeah, blame okay. it on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you have down corn? We did some, uh, not as much as some in our area. There was a couple of wind events, Mike, that came through in late August. And um, if you were in that path, um, there were some fields just, uh, you know, nearly flat, uh, hard to find some standing stalks in it. But a lot of corn got um, the effects of windblown wind uh, events. Uh, We had several fields, so we didn't have any fields that were, you know, what I would call flat down corn, but we had several fields that were windblown and with the disease presence. Um, I think that's why people locally have kind of gone with just kind of staying with corn and seeing, uh, you know, what happened. Our beans, maybe our early beans were ready. Uh, When I say early, the early group three beans were ready, uh, maybe parts last week, but uh, they'd gotten kind of dry, and we were looking for some rain last weekend. We only got about two-tenths. Uh, last weekend mm. so we we would switch and do some beans if the weather would straighten up here either this weekend or next week are you optimistic about your bean yields or do you have concerns there uh you know <laughs> it shows you what i know which is less and less every year i think uh but i thought our bean crop struggled with the wet weather earlier on but um 
maybe it has dried out. The beanies that I've grown locally, there have been obviously soybean harvests that have been very good. So I, one um, friend of mine says, you know, as disappointed as I was with corn yields, I'm that much uh, uh, more excited and, and surprised by my soybean yields. So we could have a good bean crop, even though we thought it, it struggled early on. So we'll just expect the opposite of what you're expecting. Yeah, uh, that's what I say, Mike. The, the longer I farm, I learn the less I really know. And I just uh, kind of take it as it comes and quit trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of conversation right now, David, about these high input costs and also availability uh, of getting the inputs you need. Do you think that would have or will have any impact on uh, acres decisions going into next year? Um, it certainly should be a consideration for some people in some instances or some situations, I guess. I would say that for the most part, in this area, people try to stay with their crop rotation. I think mm-hmm. that those who are aligned with, uh, you know, consistently aligned with a reliable supplier that, you know, I don't think supplies can be a problem for dry fertilizer, anhydrous, uh, those sorts of things. But, I would say that um, if you haven't got a strong relationship of, or been kind of jumping around with where you get your input, uh, that might be a little bit more in question. I do think that in some tight cash rent scenarios, um, you know, we may see some, some switching of acres uh, from, you know, corn to soybeans maybe. I don't know. It kind of depends on how this crop shakes out and where prices end up this fall. Um, right now, I wouldn't say that prices would indicate there would be a switch. It has to be some of these other factors that we just talked about. Have you seen any other supply chain issues impacting harvest this year? Well, you know, parts and supplies uh, from a machinery standpoint have been a concern all along. Um, that parts, it's not that they're not available. Sometimes they just uh, aren't available where you want them or need them so um you know we're here stories of, of people having to drive several hours to pick up parts that would normally be closer to home and i think it's a function of not only the you know the shipping and the trucking industry having shortages there as well but also um, manufacturing shortages and uh, being able to provide adequate supplies to stock parts inventory so yes i think some of that has been seen All right, David, thanks for joining us, and I'm assuming then I'll expect to hear about big bean yields because you thought uh, they might not be so good, so I'll expect you to have big bean yields. Uh, Good rest of the harvest to you. Thanks a lot. I know you love to prove me wrong. Yeah, thanks. That's right. (laughs) Take care. David Erickson, who farms near the Quad Cities, Illinois farmer. Thanks for joining us on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.